Also good to have Dan Dibley on, who's from 95-7 the game in San Francisco. And, man, we could just start with that. Warriors down 66-44 to the Pacers right now. Like, at what point do we actually start worrying about this team? I try not to because, well, they're the Warriors and everything they've done, we've seen the resume. But, and they look they look rough right now this season. Yeah, the answer is April. Uh, <laughs> if you get to April and the Warriors don't look great, then you can go ahead and wake me in April and we can talk about it. If they're the 11 seed and they're not in the play-in, then yes, it's a concern. You remember last year, they were flat. Draymond was out. Steph was out. Clay was coming off the injury. And then you got to April and what happened? Well, and I, and I know that Memphis had an injury and they gutted it out over Memphis and you know, Phoenix lost to Dallas and because, oh, the Warriors didn't have the, the toughest route, we can devalue that. But then we got to Boston. Celtics led two games to one. Draymond was beleaguered. The Celtics fans were all over him, chanting expletives. Steph went for 42. Warriors win game four. They win the series in six. So, yeah, the ring. Krista knows. Yeah. Not one, not two, not three. That's four rings. Yep. And by the way, six births in the finals in eight years. So we do a thing on our show where we like pretend we're asleep. We do <laughs> what? That's where we are with the Warriors right now. Yeah, I mean, wake wake me up in April is pretty much the only thing that you can do. Because the only time the Warriors feel like they're dead is if they're eliminated from the playoffs. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad that we're not Orlando where we're, you know, exulting over a bull bull double double or <laughs> Mo Bamba getting loose. Oh my god, Mo Bamba, we're eight and twenty. Let's go crazy. I mean that that's exciting for Orlando. You I, are I so spoiled out there. Dan, so don't sleep spoiled. on those magic though, okay? Eight and twenty Unbelievably today. spoiled. Thirty well, and twenty tomorrow. This guy this guy, this is why You know what's so funny? What's so funny is on our show, Willard and Dibs, 9 to noon, 95-7 the game. Anytime we want to talk about like a team that we want to make our pin cushion, it's Orlando. I've got nothing against Orlando. Lovely city. Uh, Disney World, fantastic. Eh. It's great. Shout out the bubble championship that the Lakers won. But, I mean, Orlando is like the biggest afterthought for us out here on the West Coast, which you know is the best coast. I, I a thousand yes. percent agree yeah. as someone who grew yeah. up in Portland, Oregon. I do want to ask, though, nice. at what point do does this organization say, Maya culpa, we totally whiffed on Wiseman. It's not going to work, whether it's his attitude or the fact that he can't develop in an environment like the Warriors, given how complex the scheme is and really what we need from you with the two timelines. Like, when do we get to that point? Shout out two timelines, by the way. That was a great <laughs> drop in. Uh, we're not there yet, but the fact that he and, and our, our show, we talk about, oh, James Wiseman, a double double in Santa Cruz. Miss me with that. I mean, the guys in the G League right now doing nothing. I think James Wiseman can still be a good player, but not with this Warrior team because the Warrior team is built on ball movement, player movement, and James Wiseman's not that player. So honestly, I think that. The Warriors are hoping that Wiseman can be somebody who they can showcase, who can play well, and they can you know, trade off for maybe a veteran to help them this year because James Wiseman won't be a key player for this team now or in the future. And it, it's interesting because there's a, a little bit of a schism. Was it a front office pick? Was it a GM pick? Was it an ownership pick? James, uh, James Wiseman is not looking like he's going to be a key part of this team now and Steph Curry's got three more years so if Wiseman can't help you now with this core 
then he's got to go. Dan, I know we're here to talk Warriors, but uh, I'm a football guy, and until Christmas, it's football season. So <laughs> I wanted to ask you, yeah. because I know you're a yeah. Niners guy, actually. Right now, I'm looking at Defensive Player of the Year, and like three weeks ago, I was calling Micah Parsons the best player on the planet, and I still kind of think he is, but Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons is a minus 275 favorite, and after the last three games, I don't quite understand why. Nick Bosa's plus 165. Bosa this season, 14 and a half sacks. Parsons has 12. And I know he's a linebacker, but I mean, he's a pass rusher. I know Dan Quinn's used him a little bit differently the last couple of weeks, but do you think that's worth a bet? Nick Bosa plus 165, the way that he's playing right now. Yes, bet Bosa, bet him early, bet often. Doing and I heard now. you guys before in the previous segment talking about the MVP of the league. And that's where I think Jalen Hurts, even though the, the odds aren't great, they have the best record and he's the best player on the best team. And I think that's what we always default to. And think about Nick Bosa. He was defensive player of the month for November and he came out in December and he was defensive player of the week. And the thing about Nick Bosa is he doesn't play every snap, but he already has 14 and a half, as he calls them, Saccaroonies. This defense <laughs> is far and away the best defense in football. They sent Tom Brady into retirement last weekend. Bosa might close in on 20 sacks. And by the way, we, we can talk about Brock Purdy, Niners in Seattle tomorrow. The Niners are going to hammer the Seahawks. Nick Bosa Ooh. is going to eat. It's going to be a feast. Go ahead and lay the lumber on the red and gold. This team, the defense of this team is the best we've seen in a long time. The trends, though, do not speak highly of the Niners going to Seattle. Uh-oh. So I, I think, I don't know, yeah. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think it's like you've had one win there uh, in like the last nine or something like that. Uh, why? Okay, so outside of just Seattle's defense is a sieve, Obviously, Seattle, very, very tough place to play. The 12th man is a real thing. They're rallying around this Geno Smith phenomenon. So kind of give us the blueprint in terms of how this beatdown is going to occur. Well, Krista, it's actually 15 of 18 15 Seattle of has won. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, even a bigger sample <laughs> size, Seattle has dominated the series. But think <laughs> about it in terms of Kyle Shanahan and that lovely laminated play sheet that he has. Oh, it's two sided. It's gorgeous. He's got runs. He's got passes. And, you know, Brock Purdy, he's looked very good. The one thing that this team has against a very porous Seattle defense, Christian McCaffrey. If you watch him run, He's small through the hole. He's big when there's going to be contact. He is running better than he ever has before. They've got Jordan Mason, who's Marshawn Lynch light. I call him Diet Marshawn or Diet Sean. <laughs> and if you look at the way this offensive line played against Tampa Bay, they're starting to click on all cylinders. Trent Williams is a Hall of Famer at left tackle. And let me say it again. Seattle's run defense is absolutely ferocious, as we like to say, which is a combination of horrendous and atrocious. The Niners will run it. Carolina ran, ran it 46 times, people, 46 times. Kyle Shanahan is not going to let Brock Purdy throw it at all. Niners are going to pound Seattle into submission. 28-11 is the official score. Dan Dibley coming on here, <laughs> making up words for us that we can now learn and bold predictions on top of that. So, yeah, look, yeah, you mentioned yeah. Brock Purdy. Clearly that he's one of the stories because you know you're down to the third-string quarterback in San Francisco, and he looked good 
in relief of Jimmy Garoppolo. He also looked good in his first start. I mean, look, Kyle Shanahan is one of the most brilliant offensive minds in the NFL. As a Washington fan, I think of the days when we had him here and what could have been. Oh, also Trent Williams, whole other thing, and there's a whole other conversation. But when you watch this team with Brock Purdy and what you saw last week, what can you expect in terms of maybe the game plan and the approach in Seattle, knowing that also Debo Samuel is going to be out for them? Right, and uh, Brock's nickname inside the locker room is uh, Big Shock Brock, and I've, I've cleaned it up for the BetQL offense, but I think we can <laughs> we can play the rhyme game and understand maybe yeah. where, Something uh, else. where this yes. go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we, we could talk about yeah. Nick it's Foles. It's like Nick Foles. Yeah. Yeah. Trista, you are like one step ahead, like two steps ahead, quite frankly. But I think when you look at Brock Purdy and what he does in terms of off-schedule plays, and the moxie, the confidence. And we oftentimes we overlook college starts as a real thing. And, you know, you look at Mitch Trubisky, for example. He only had one year at North Carolina. So when he came in the league, he was wildly inexperienced in terms of being the man. And Brig, Big Sock Brock, as we like to call him, <laughs> he started 46 games at Iowa State. He's a guy who's been through the fires before. And I, I know Big 12 is not the NFL but he's a guy who's been through it and he understands what it takes to be a quarterback. And, you know, he's been there all year with Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, I know they drafted him last. We call him Mr. Relevant, by the way, in the Bay Area now. We've dropped the ear from his nickname. He deserves because it. Because he's more relevant now than anyone. Yeah. And the big sock thing works out if you remember like the chili peppers. Uh, we don't have to go down there. But so oh, I'm, look a at little, you. I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous. Of uh, you guys, because I'm a Cubs fan, unfortunately. So I've had, you know, one nice year, maybe two nice years uh, my entire life. And I thought maybe, just maybe, Jed Hoyer and uh, Tom Ricketts were going to spend some money this offseason. And they did, kind of. They got Cody Bellinger four years too late. And then Carlos Correa today, the shortstop I wanted, one of them, uh, goes for 13 years, $350 million. Your thoughts on that signing for the Giants? Oh, I mean, I don't even care about the last five years of the deal, which, uh, you know, at my age, I don't even know if I'll be around for but that. But I always say, man, quite exactly. frankly, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, seriously, when you're Dan Bibley, as some have referred to me, who knows <laughs> if I'll even be around. I mean, apologies to uh, Nick Cashew and the rest of the hosts. <laughs> yeah, show. bring it up. I mean, Trista, I don't even know if I'm going to be here well in done. eight years. We call him Peanut. Dan, do you have an extra bedroom? Can I come hang yeah. out and just stay at your yeah. house? A, I hate the East Coast, so I really <laughs> want to be by you. And I just like you already. No, yeah. come on out. I'm actually currently sleeping in said extra bedroom. Uh -oh. I've got a three-month-old baby, and I should probably be keeping it down because right now baby's down and she's trying to sleep. But uh, you look at the front side of Correa, and it's going to be great. The back side of Correa – who even cares? Because good. Giants games are so expensive. Yeah. It's already so expensive. It costs 50 bucks to park at Oracle Park. If you're lucky, beers are 17 bucks. Who cares about the money? Carlos Correa, for the first time since Barry Bonds, we have a hitter that we can actually wait to see bat. Maybe he'll hit a home run. Maybe he'll flip the bat. Giants games are going to be exciting again. I remember, Dan, uh, 2019 finals uh, when it was Toronto versus the Warriors. I went and saw a Giants game, oh, and I think it was $8. I think it was $8 for that ticket. So things have changed. The question that I have for you in, in terms of the Giants, 
Do you think this team does go after Shohei Otani? Because it feels like they're going for everyone under the sun at some point. And and what do you think his market value really is? Because if I if I'm him, I'm saying, well, I want what Verlander got and what Judge got combined. Yeah, he's two players, and I'm gonna borrow from uh, Austin Powers and say one billion dollars <laughs> because if i'm Shohei otani's agent he's two players he's a top five hitter and he's a top what eight pitcher all in one beautiful six foot four frame so he's gonna get probably 10 years and i'm gonna say one billion dollars 100 million a year and i honestly it'll probably be closer to 500 million the giants will want to be in on him but ultimately if you're Shohei Otani, you go to the highest bidder. And I don't know if he'll want to come here, but the fact that the Giants now have another shiny object makes them more attractive to future free agents. You know, Dan, in my defense, I said Bibley because I was too distracted by what this great Orlando Magic team was doing that you just love to make oh, fun of. So it. that it was all about Bol Bol and stop Mo Bamba, it. so I'm very sorry. And, and Dan, he got me excited because yeah. I thought he actually said we were getting Mike Bibby. Yeah. And not that you aren't <laughs> great, but I was more excited. I mean, that, that him hard, and Miles Simon were that my favorite hard out, That hard out was coming, and I was thinking of way too many things. So you know what? It is what it is. Dan, so. I'm going to be going to the Chris. <laughs> I haven't seen a backpedal like this since Deion Sanders with the Atlanta Falcons. That's right. It's true. Dan, I'm going to be at the Christmas Day game. Will I see you there? Uh, sure. That's sure. a lie, so he won't be. Yeah. He'll be with his family. It's okay. Dan Dibley, 95-7, the game in San Francisco. There you go, kid. Thanks for coming on, man. Go. Good stuff. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Love you guys. Thanks, Dan. Right. That was great. Yeah. Uh, he's got know, it. He's got to be a regular, no. right? Like this is a, oh, that's he's fantastic. A, oh, and I'm just gonna start calling him Bibley as opposed to Dibley. Why, well, I think why not? we should call him Dan Bibby. Yeah. Dan Bibi. Dan Bibi. Dan Habibi. Dan Call something new every time to keep it fresh. Whatever it is. Listen, I've heard a million pronunciations for my name. He called you Cashew. (laughs) He did. Loved that. Cashew's great. Listen, Cashew I've heard a thousand times.